Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, where cancer survivors, caregivers, and others touched by cancer share their stories. The Max Mallory Foundation presents this podcast in honor and memory of Max Mallory, who died at age 22 from testicular cancer. I'm your host, Joyce Lofstrom, a young adult and adult cancer survivor, and Max's mom. This is Joyce, and with me today is Nathan Coffer, and Nathan's an entrepreneur and founder of Catch It Early, which he established to deliver cancer awareness and information, and we will talk about that during our podcast. He joins me uh, for our conversation between his first and second cycle of high-dose chemo and stem cell replacement treatment for testicular cancer. He's also got a lot to share about uh, what he's doing right now. He's a psychology student at the University of California, Davis, to to, share with us his testicular cancer journey and his efforts to help other young adults who face a cancer diagnosis. So, Nathan, thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So, I always start the podcast out and just ask our guests to. Tell their story. You know, what's what's your testicular cancer story? Anything you you want to share? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so my journey started in 2020, around actually the same exact time as COVID was becoming a huge issue. Um, so I had just left UC Davis to come back because school was shut down. So I was staying with my mom and my two sisters at home. And we were kind of locked down here, just had our eyes on the news, and we were kind of waiting to see that resolve. And during that time period, I actually ended up finding a lump. And so during the pandemic, I ended up in a ultrasound. And then from there, I ended up finding out, you know, something was not right. And I went straight into orchiectomy surgery a few days later. Um... My mom just kind of dropped me off at the hospital because she couldn't come in with me at this time because all of the protocols that were going on, um, which was really just surreal. Everything was moving really fast. Um, And then I thought that was going to be it after this surgery. But a little bit later, my tumor markers started to rise. Um, So for a long time, we were just following these tumor markers. And eventually, it was determined that I was going to need a treatment called BEP, three rounds of that. Um, And I went through that about 10 months ago. And I thought that would be the end of the story. And, you know, my family thought so as well. But then about eight months later, I was back at school. I had had to put that on hold for a little while to get better. And I was back at UC Davis with my friends and everything was normal. And then one night I just started not to feel great. And I drove I drove home um, to get to the hospital here for my insurance. And they saw my lymph nodes had kind of grown. And so I, knowing that this was a, not a great sign, had an HCG test done. And sure enough, I had had a reoccurrence of the cancer. So the option then was to do high-dose chemotherapy with stem cell replacement. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at right now with this cancer journey. I'm just going through that and kind of enduring all the consequences on your body that that takes. But 
trying to stay, you know, positive and uh, be there for my family, even though they're here for me more than I'm there for them right now, it feels. Well, it's kind of a two-way street. I think you, we all try to be there for our, our family and loved ones when we can. So I'm, I'm glad they're there to support you. I, I guess one of my questions, so the cancer reoccurred in lymph nodes or just... Right. So basically, it's hard for the doctors to really be able to determine where it is unless tumors grow. Um, for me, in my personal case, the tumors, they haven't had a chance to really um, metastasize because I've just been on top of it, luckily, when I found it. And um, the lymph node is the, you know, there is the original tumor in the testicle, but this lymph node was just enlarged. So yeah, you could say maybe that it had spread to the lymph nodes and it's traveling there and found a place to kind of grow. Um, but as far as, you know, elsewhere spread, I there's no proof of it, but you know, it always could have. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Okay. I know just from Max's experience that the high dose chemo in the stem cell is, it's, it's a rough journey, but it, it really should get all the cancer. So, um, it's just glad that you can do it and endure it because hope that should end this uh, challenge for you. But, um, we've kind of talked about some details about the treatment. Anything that you've just learned over these couple of years that would be interesting or not interesting, but helpful to other men who might have to go through this? Any advice, I guess? You know, I think every single person has different headspaces that help them endure hard times. Um, I think mental health for sure is at the forefront of everything that you need to figure out to go through something like this. You need to find the things that will give you purpose during, you know, a chemotherapy treatment or any cancer treatment to make you feel like you're, you have some kind of way to move forward. Because in a lot of ways, it feels like you're stuck in one place. You can't do, you can't get your classes done. You can't go make these relationships or grow a business. You're stuck and you feel kind of helpless in that sense. At least I did. So finding things, even if it's video games or meditation or art, there's different things that you can do to, you know, kind of keep on going on. What was that for you, if I can ask that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first time I went through chemo, I tracked the days, literally had a calendar hanging in my room and crossed off days. Now I literally just accepted, you know, this is my life right now. This is, you know, not looking at the end of it because it makes it go by slower for me. But I, you know, have been doing some art stuff in the hospital, um, lots of meditation. Um, I've, you know, started catch it early. So it's, there's, there's different things you can do to kind of feed that, that sense of purpose for yourself to help you get through something that's so difficult. You know, I think that keywords there are the sense of purpose, because I, you're right to get through any rough cancer journey, like what like you're going through, that sense of purpose makes a big difference. And just to, live in the moment uh, as you're doing with your artwork and different things and then your business, which we'll talk about too. What was the biggest challenge in, in these last two years for you? The biggest challenge I think what would be, so after the doctor had told me, this was 
in my timeline, this was happening during after I had the orchiectomy surgery and before I started chemo. There was a big chunk of time there because my HCG was going up, but it was not high enough for doctors to really want to do much with it. They would they didn't want chemotherapy because the you know the average range normal is between zero and four HCG. Mine was going like nine, 10, 12, then it would be like five again. And doctors were a little bit confused with my case. And so I spent an entire summer and some change, you know, just waiting, doing these blood tests weekly, hoping that it would go down or, you know, do something. Cause I didn't know, you know, if I was going to have to go through this chemotherapy that would put everything on pause and, I just, you know, was waiting. And that was really tough for me mentally to just wait around and not know. It would be better to have a plan in my mind, but just waiting around for that was really challenging for me. You know, that's what I've always found in any of my cancer diagnoses is you, you, you want the plan, you want to know what you have to do and waiting for results of any kind. It's always been a big challenge. It's just part of the process, but it is very hard to do, I know. Absolutely. Uh, I know, well, you're a psychology major, and I know one of the things you've done during these last two years is, I read about this on your LinkedIn profile, is your internship uh, Mm -hmm. with a hospice in palliative care. Can you tell us just about that, what that, what it was, and, uh, you know, how it kind of ties into your career goals and your cancer journey? Well, I didn't get to do it for too long. I was there a few months. And then at the point where my cancer came back and I left Davis, because this was up at Davis where I was going to school. Okay. So I, when I had to leave, I kind of told, you know, their whole system, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I've got a health issue I need to address here. But, you know, it was really cool. I really wanted to get some experience helping others while I was in school there. And after going through the BP, you know, I when I was going through BP, the way it was set up, it was outpatient. So I talked to a lot of people who, you know, had different um, different cancer types or prognoses, and it was really inspiring to just hear these stories. They're mostly people like between sixty and eighty years old, and um, you know, I just wanted to just be around that more. It was like a comforting time, honestly. Um, even though I was going through 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 the chemo, I was getting these great stories from these people, even Holocaust survivors. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. And I wanted to just do something to help, you know, I I had my health back and I knew people were out there that still don't have their health at this point. And I just wanted to be, to do whatever I could. So I joined this program, this palliative care program in Davis. And I had a few patients before I ended up needing to, you know, take off. But it was really cool. I mostly just spent time with them, watched TV with them, got them whatever they needed. Um, but, you know, really beautiful experience still. But it, it, it is a little weird now because it felt like, you know, I'm obviously not in palliative care, but it feels like, you know, it's crazy. It, you know, you're the healthy one helping and then you just switch spots. And now I'm on the hospital bed and I'm getting taken care of. So things can change so fast and it's, it's, it's a little surreal. You know, it is, and it makes me think of, I'm a big Beatles fan and I always think of a quote from John Lennon. Life is what happens while you, while you are making other plans. And, you know, I think 
it's hard sometimes to to take note of that, you know. And like you said, things change so quickly that uh, just um, I think the people you worked with were probably very glad to have someone to listen to, and that's um, good, you know. Especially if you, you know, when I hear you can you met a Holocaust survivor too. I mean, that's. Uh, it's good. I mean, I just am, I'm glad that you were there to have that opportunity with them. So um, probably helped you heal. Do you think? I mean, it did in some ways of just going through what you're going through now. I mean, you never knew who you'd be sitting next to through that treatment, and yeah, I mean, people were really friendly. They want to look your way, and and especially in that situation, I was the youngest by far. I mean, I met on all the time that I was there that next youngest person I met was probably like 40. So, you know, people would kind of look at me funny, like, what's this guy doing here? And people would ask me, you know, what's up? And then when I would ask that, that question back, a lot of the times I'd be surprised to hear what I would hear. So like, you never know who you're sitting next to for real. Right. Well, you mentioned earlier your business, Catch It Early. So uh, tell us about that. Right. Um, so, this business kind of came out of, you know, me wanting to do something for testicular cancer awareness. Um, you know, I'm in, I'm in a few Facebook pages and it seems like the repeating message is that, you know, there's individuals who by the time they find their testicular cancer, it's spread to a point where it's harder to cure it. So if you can catch it earlier, or if that's even possible, I know for some people it's, you know, it's, you know, by the time you figure it out, it's, it's hard, but I mean, if there's anything you can do to kind of know the symptoms that could present themselves, um, you know, it's not just a lot of people think, oh, if I find a lump on my testicle, then I'll know I have it. But you know, there's some people who never get that. Um, and they have other symptoms that they think are, you know, just back pain or whatever it is. Um, but Catch It Early is basically just a movement which aims to spread awareness and kind of give people a sense of what these early signs of testicular cancer may be. And at the same time, you know, provide kind of cool gear for fighters and those who, those people who support them. So, you know, um, clothing, uh, hats, water bottles, anything that has cool, you know, art that kind of speaks to a younger generation and that could be considered, you know, cool to wear, but has a message behind it where if you go and look on the website looking to buy some of this gear, you're going to see, you know, people who speak out about testicular cancer, people who, you know, warn of the different signs, you know, different awareness type of things that we can do. It's in a very early stage right now, but, and I can't, I can't do much more building of the company until I'm better. Once I'm better, that's my next step for sure. I got to get the website up, but you know, it's a baby right now. I think that's a great movement, and uh, you make a good point on, in terms of catching it early. And I'm sure you know this, Nathan, but you know, some of the young men I've talked to, and they're younger, but younger being more in high school. But you know, they find a lump and they don't know what to do, and they wait, and that's. Either they don't know what to do or they're afraid to do anything. And I think that's part of the men's health movement that's out there as well, to try to let men be comfortable to talk about their health and be able to deal with finding a lump on their testicle. Um, and I know with Max, 
he didn't have a lump, but he was born with one testicle and was told he didn't have a second one, which wasn't true. It was there. Um, and, you know, it's just that awareness for parents, too, I think, that you probably will help with this because um, some of the signs you don't back pain. I mean, people have back pain all the time, but, you know, uh, that is a sign and a symptom. So I'm glad you're doing this, and I like the idea of the gear. Um, I think it'll be fun to have that. So, yeah, I I'm really excited about the creative aspect of it, and I think there's so many different directions it could go in. And I'm, you know, I just really want to help and do my part. So to make this this problem, you know, either better, or, you know, work towards getting rid of this problem. Right. I and, agree. And it's so crazy what you're saying about, you know, younger people, they find the lump and they don't know what to do because I found mine. And honestly, I wasn't scared. And at one point my mom literally had to be like, no, like you can't keep putting this off. Like I put, I spent a week from when I found it to like when I went in for that ultrasound. And there was a point where I literally almost just canceled and didn't go in and waited for another week. Cause I was so unworried about it. And my mom literally had to just tell me, no, you need to go look at, get this thing looked at. And so when I reflect on that now, how scary is that? I wish I had known the signs. Maybe I could have identified it sooner. Maybe, you know, who knows what ifs, but it's just scary. Even I went into that headspace where I just put it off. And I don't know if that comes from shame, but there's no embarrassment in finding a lump on your testicle. I mean, it's not your own fault. It's just there and you got to deal with it. And you're right. And that's uh, a good point, kind of a good segue to the next topic I wanted to talk about, but which is why do you think men don't want to talk about their health or might delay going to a doctor if they find a lump? Just from your experience. Well, I mean, for me, I have to say in reflection, it was just pure ignorance on the topic to not go in sooner. I mean, I acted pretty quick, but I could have acted, you know, I could have had more urgency. And I think maybe some people either have denial about it if they have the information or they just don't know. Yeah. You know, they lack the awareness. They don't know the information. So they don't know what they just found on their body or these feelings they're having. They don't know what to do with them. Maybe just they think waiting it'll go away, but then it doesn't and it gets worse. So yeah, I mean, advocating for people to jump on their symptoms early is important. I mean, there's really, there's no shame in it. You shouldn't deny that you feel a certain way and you got to just address your health. No, you're right. And that's a, a, a good statement right there to address your health because we all have to do that. And so um, I, I like that you said that. I and mean, I think that kind of puts it right on the line for everyone to understand the importance of doing that. So you mentioned that uh, catch it early as a baby right now is uh, you want people to look for you on Facebook with that, or do you, should we wait and have you back when it's uh, more advanced in age, I guess is one way to say it. Uh, Cause I was going to ask you to you know, give out a URL or any place to find it if you're ready to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you've seen, it's on LinkedIn and it's just catch it early. There's no spaces, um, as well as Instagram and it'll be on Facebook soon and it'll be on Twitter soon. 
and TikTok. So it's growing. Everything's coming together. And um, there's going to be pretty cool announcements coming in the next couple months about the gear that I've been working on. And it's really exciting. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. Oh, that's great to know that I'll look for that too. So, um, so we've got that catch it early, no spaces to find um, this new movement for testicular cancer. Uh, I think you've answered my other thought was just what's next for you as you get this business going and school and anything you want to share on that? Absolutely. Um, for me, I got a, I have one quarter at UC Davis left. So once I'm done doing this high dose, I'll probably hop right back into that um, and finish up. Um, this is the second time I've had to, you know, stop in my tracks for my undergrad degree. So I'm, I'm more than ready to close the door on that part of my life. Um, and as far as catch it early, yeah, I mean, it's growing, we're building it and, um, I'm super excited to share more about it soon. As soon as I get healthy, things are going to start moving really quickly with that. Um, and for me, I mean, I, I might need to do the RPLND surgery, which is like a, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, but it's yes. a, um, like a lymph node dissection in order to try to, you know, get those maybe remaining cancer cells out of my body, but that should be, I mean, I'm hoping that's just going to be the last chapter with this and then I'll be able to move on and do these other things I want to do. So that's kind that, of where I'm at right now. That sounds good. Um, and that RPLND surgery is often a part of this journey. So um, we'll just keep, you know, keep us posted, but I will have you back to talk about catch it early. Um, I think it's such just, it's interesting because there's so many different uh, activities out there for people to get involved. And this sounds like another one that will be really good and but it's different as well with the gear that you are designing so i want to know more about it absolutely uh, so my last question is a fun one if it, what song if, if, whenever you hear it it just almost becomes an earworm or you always want to sing along with it any song that oh, comes yeah. to mind yeah i've got to say probably clint eastwood by the gorillas oh okay love the gorillas great song okay What's yours? Oh, mine is pretty much Beatles. Um, I'll date myself, perhaps, but a lot of people like the Beatles. I would say uh, Twist and Shout is a great Beatles song to sing along with. So Great song. Yeah. Um, well, anything you want to add, Nathan, before we close out? No, I think we hit everything here. Great. Well, we'll, uh, like I said, have you back in you know, six months or a year to find out more about Catch It Early. And thank you for being part of our podcast today. I really appreciate it. And get well thank soon. You. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today on Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer from the Max Mallory Foundation. Go to maxmalloryfoundation.com to learn more about testicular cancer to donate and send your suggestions for guests on the podcast. And join me next time for Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer.